Hey everyone, and welcome to my YouTube channel. This is your girl, Essence E, coming to you with topics about beauty, authenticity, and truth. And today we are going to be talking about how Black Girls Rock Part 1. I am going to be discussing about African-American women who are inspiring, who broke barriers, defied the odds, and paved the way for other successful African-American women to succeed. So let's sit back. I have a lot of content to cover, and let's get to it. So the first woman I would like to honor is Harriet Tubman. Now, Harriet Tubman, uh, her legacy is legendary in the movement to abolish slavery. As she is documented to have had approximately 13 trips, you guys, 13 trips through the Underground Railroad, where she led dozens of slaves to freedom. And she never got caught despite of the $40,000 that rewarded to capture her. She was an awesome woman. She kept going. She never stopped. She kept on go she kept on going for the Lord and she kept on doing the things that she knew that God wanted her to do. So let's take a look at her life right now. Escaping slavery, risking everything to save her family, leading a military raid, championing the cause of women's suffrage. These are just a handful of the accomplishments of one of America's most courageous heroes. Harriet Tubman was born Araminta Ross in Dorchester County, Maryland in the early 1820s. Born into chattel slavery, Araminta, or Minty, was the fifth of nine children. Two of Minty's older sisters were sold to a chain gang. Even as a small child, Minty hired out to different owners who subjected her to whippings and punishments. Young Minty's life changed forever on an errand to a neighborhood store. There, an overseer threw a weight at a fugitive enslaved person, missed, and struck Minty instead. Her injury caused her to experience sleeping spells, which lay as narcolepsy for the rest of her life. Minty's owner tried to sell her, but there were no buyers for an enslaved person who fell into sleeping spells. She was instead put to work with her father, Ben Ross, who taught her how to lumber. Lumbering increased Minty's physical strength and put her in touch with free black sailors who shipped the wood to the north. From them, Minty learned about the secret communications that occurred along trade routes, information that would prove invaluable later in her life. In this mixed atmosphere of free and enslaved blacks working side by side, Minty met John Tubb, a black man she married in 1844. After marriage, she renamed herself Harriet after her mother. Harriet Tubman's owner died in 1849. When his widow planned to sell off her enslaved men beings, Harriet feared she would be sold away from everyone she loved. She had heard of an underground railroad, a secret network of safe houses, boat captains, and wagon drivers willing to harbor fugitive enslaved people on their way north. So Tubman fled with two of her brothers, Ben and Harry. They eventually turned back, fearing they were lost. But in one of her sleeping spells, Harriet dreamed that she could fly like a bird. Looking down below, she saw the path to liberation. And in the autumn of 1849, she set out on her own, following the North Star to Pennsylvania and to freedom. Tubman turned to the South 13 times to free her niece, brothers, parents, and many others. She earned the nickname Black Moses and worked diligently with fellow abolitionists to help enslaved peacekate, first to the North and later to Canada. Harriet Tubman worked as a Union Army nurse, scout, 
and spy during the Civil War. In 1863, she became the first woman in United States history to plan and lead a military raid, liberating nearly 700 enslaved persons in South Carolina. After the war, the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution legally abolished slavery, while the 14th expanded citizenship and the 15th gave voting rights to formerly enslaved black men. But she was undaunted and she persisted. She raised funds for formerly enslaved persons and helped build schools and a hospital on their behalf. In 1888, Tubman became more active in the fight for women's right to vote. In 1896, she appeared at the founding convention of the National Association of Colored Women in Washington, D.C., and later at a women's suffrage meeting in Rochester, New York. There she told the audience, I was a conductor on the Underground Railroad, and I can say what many others cannot. I never ran my train off the track, and I never lost a passenger. As her fame grew, various friends and allies helped her in the fight to collect a veteran's pension for her service in the Union Army. In 1899, she was finally granted $20. In a fitting twist of fate, the United States announced in 2016 that Tubman's image will appear on a redesigned $20. Harriet Tubman died on March 10, 1913. Even on her deathbed at age 91, she kept the freedom of her people in mind. Her final words were, I go away to prepare a place for you. If you're inspired by Harriet Tubman's life and work, Wow, I go to prepare a place for you. I just say thank you to Harriet Tubman for her sacrifice, for everything that she has done for the African-American community. Because if it wasn't for you, for what, for what you have done, we probably would not be where we are today. We thank you and we honor you and you rock. So the next lady I would love to talk about, and she is one of my favorite, favorite African-American ladies, and this is Maya Angelou. Now, Maya Angelou, she left her legacy with a large collection of memoirs, poems, essays, and plays. She rose to fame after the publication, I Know Why the Cage Birds Sing, on her autobiographies that details her early years as a young Black woman. This woman is so inspiring. The way she wrote, it's like you were right there with her. She has done so many things and has, has inspired so many people within the African-American community. I just really want to honor her and I really want to talk about her life and what she left and how inspirational she was and how deep she really, how deep she really was. This, these women's poems were not only inspiring, they had so much truth, truth. They dripped so much authenticity and so much beauty that, that, that I can't even describe describe how how really great that she is in in my own words I'm describing it right now but she she's really is beyond that and I admire her so much so we need to listen to the things that she has said the things that she said about black men and about the community and even about herself People will very often try to respond to you on the level on which you address them. So if you say, 
Aren't you wonderful? Aren't you splendid? My goodness, you're beautiful. Oh, you're so bright. People will try, even if they're not, they really will try to lift themselves up to that. On the other hand, if you say, you know, you're a dog, you really are so low, you'll never be anybody. In fact, you're nobody now and you never have been. Sooner or later, that person will address, will respond on the level on which he or she is addressed. Mm -hmm. He will say figuratively or literally, let me show you where dog is. Let me show you where low really is. I will show you that. Years ago, I did a movie called Poetic Justice. And there was a young man the first day who first so I couldn't believe it. I walked around behind him and tried to ignore him. But the second day, he and another young man, black man, ran to each other and they were about to fight and hundreds of extras uh, started to run away. But one black man walked up to the two young men and I walked up and I took one by, the, by his shoulder. I said, let me speak to you. He said, if these men you do, we do. I said, let me speak to you, honey. <laughs> if I tell you something, I said, no, let me talk to you, please. And I, he finally calmed down. And I said, do you know how much you need? Do you know what you mean to us? Do you know that hundreds of years of struggle have been for you? You? Please, baby, take a minute. Don't lose your life on a Zoom. I put my arm around him. He started to weep. The tears came down. That was Tupac Shakur. He, I took him, I walked him down into a little gully and kept his back to the people so they wouldn't see him and I used my hands to dry his cheeks. And I kept talking to him sweetly, sweetly. For the next week while I was on that film, whenever I walked by, he would be saying, so I told you, say good morning, Miss Angela. <laughs> Dears, try to introduce courtesy into your speech to each other. You have no idea what it was for your brother or sister you speak and you surely have no idea what it will do for you it will lift you up I've tried a lot of things yeah. I've failed at some things and succeeded at some yeah but what I love about you is is that you have you have attacked it all with great passion I, mean, I can look at all the books here that you have written I can look at all the things you've done from journalist to poet to writer to actor to producer all of those kinds of things which suggest this uncommon confidence in yourself and willingness to risk yes. failure yes yes but it, maybe it's more dangerous to risk, to risk success well a lot of people don't really want success I've never understood this that. Is, this is true. It's, it's you mean because they don't want it, and the best evidence of that is that they they fail. They fail. They fail. And the bad, uh, best evidence of that is they don't try things. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. But to succeed means that I mean you're in front of uh, God and and lots of responsible people, and you have to to either eat your words or or stand by them. I think that. Um, I have agreed a long time ago, Charlie Rose, this may be what I, I, my greatest blessing. I agreed a long time ago that I would die. Now, if I can admit that, that no matter what happens, I will do this thing. Yeah. 
this is the biggest bugaboo of them all. I will do that. Well then, why couldn't I attempt something lesser? So I will try. I won't say severely raped, all rape is severe. Um, The rapist um, was a person very well known to my family. I was hospitalized. Um, The rapist was let out of jail and was found dead that night. And the police suggested that the rapist had been kicked to death. I was seven and a half. I thought that I had caused the man's death because I had spoken his name. That was my seven and a half year old logic. So I stopped talking for five years. Now, to show you again how out of evil there can come good, in those five years, I read every book in the black school library. I read all the books I could get from the white school library. I memorized James Weldon Johnson, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, County Cullen, and Langston Hughes. I memorized Shakespeare, whole plays, 50 sonnets. I memorized Edgar Allan Poe, all the poetry. Never having heard it, I memorized. I had Longfellow, I had Guy de Maupassant, I had Balzac, Rudyard Kipling. I mean, it was a Catholic kind of reading and Catholic kind of story. When I decided to speak, I had a lot to say and many ways in which to say what I had to say. I listened to the black minister. I listened to the melody of the preachers. And I could tell they would start up on that kind of thing when we know they mean to take our souls straight to heaven or whether they meant to dash us straight to hell. I understood it. So out of this evil, which was a dire kind of evil, because rape on the body of a young person more often than not introduces cynicism. And there is nothing quite so tragic as a young cynic because it means the person has gone from knowing nothing to believing nothing. In my case, I was saved in that muteness. Wow. In the Sorda, I was saved. And I was able to draw from human thought, human disappointments and triumphs, enough to try myself. Wow, that was awesome. 
You know, one of the things that I've learned from my Angelou is that no matter how dark it gets, no matter what is happening in your life, you can always come back on the other side. And I want to thank her and honor her and say that she rocked and she continues to rock. Her poems keep continuously being read throughout the world. And we just thank you for your bravery for your kindness, for everything that you've done within the Black community. We thank you. And so now I would like to talk about another lady. And this lady is Miss Nina Simone. She had a unique and raspy voice, and she had a massive impact on the jazz community and had a continued involvement involvement in the civil rights unit in the civil rights movement i meant to say you know she changed her name to to eunice kathleen wayman so she could disguise herself from her family and try to make a career in jazz as a pianist and singer and she rose to fame as she recorded more than 40 albums this woman is amazing and when i say she spoke her mind She spoke her mind. She did not care. She had courage and she knew what she was saying was the truth. She always spoke truth. She never sugarcoated anything for anyone. And she really talked about what it was like being black and and she talked about freedom and, and the things that were important to her. So she is, so she is so awesome and just so deep. And I just want us to listen to how deep she has got, she, how deep she got. I think what you're trying to ask is, uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that black, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it in the first place. To me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, by, by by, by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. When I finished working, as tired as I am, and my work completely takes all my energy, unfortunately. But when there are kids who come backstage afterwards who want to talk or who are moved to the point, sometimes they're moved to tears. I want to know more about it. And they shake my hand and they kiss me and they want to talk about their problems. I find the time to do so as much as I can. Uh, um, I discourage breakfasts and speeches because I'm not, I don't make speeches. But I will go out of my way, in spite of the fact that I'm too tired to do it, to talk to them at least for five minutes or so, to, to, sh- to sock to them the same message I just finished doing on stage and perhaps to hear some of their grievances or just to make them feel that they're not alone. Because uh, when, when you have a few colored kids in a huge 
white college. Any way you cut it, they are alienated and they feel it. So when I come, I feel a responsibility. They're so glad to see me because I represent something to them. And I can't give them enough, you know. I, I, they need me. They need me. And when, I, when I'm needed, I, I, I have to give. I, I, I curse myself afterwards for having no voice, usually, and being so exhausted that I can't do anything for myself. But when they need me, they need me for, and the most important thing is, they are our future. It's an, it's an investment, as far as I am concerned. When I invest time in young people from colleges, I know that I'm going to get that bread back. You know, bread cast upon the water comes back. Because when I see them doing their thing one day and I'm too old to do anything but sit and look at them, I'm going to say, well, I was part of that. I never intend for my children to look at me and be ashamed and say, Mama, why didn't you do something? I will have done mine. And so every time I talk to them, it's an investment to me. Wow. She made investment by talking to people about being black and what it is, uh, what it is to be, to be black and to be proud. And, you know, she also talked about, you know, freedom. What is freedom? What, what is freedom uh, to us as African-American people? Someone asked her that question. What is freedom? And let's take a look. Everybody is half dead. Everybody avoids everybody all over the place in most situations, most all of the time. I know I'm one of those everybody's, and to me it is terrible. And so all I'm trying to do all the time is just to open people up so they can feel themselves and let themselves be open to somebody else. That is all. That's it. I've always thought that I was shaking people up, but now I want to go at it more, and I want to go at it more deliberately, and I want to go at it coldly. I want, I want to shake people up so bad that when they leave a nightclub where I performed, I, I just want to be to pieces. I want to go in that, that den of those elegant people with their old ideas, smugness, and just drive them insane. When I'm calm and cool and really got antenna working, you know, you know when to push and you know when you want to not. Nobody can tell you, though. You have to feel it. In any situation between human beings, it's what makes a groove. Well, what's free to you? What's what free to me? Yeah. Same thing it is to you. You tell me. No, no, you tell me. <laughs> no, no. Because <laughs> I could talk to you for it's such a long time. It's just a feeling. It's just a feeling. It's like, how do you tell somebody how it feels to be in love? How are you going to tell anybody who has not been in love how it feels in love? You cannot do it to save your life. You can describe things, but you can't tell them. But you know it when it happens. That's what I mean by free. I've had a couple of times on stage when I really felt free. And that's something else. That's oh. really something else. Like all, all, like, like, I'll tell you what freedom is to me. No fear. I mean, really, no fear. If I, if I could have that half of my life, no fear. Lots of children have no fear. 
That's the closest way, that's the only way I can describe it. That's not all of it, but it is something to really, really feel. Have you, have you, like, no. I've noticed Like it. a new way of seeing. Like a new way of seeing something. Wow, like a new way of seeing. Thank you, Nina Simone, for all that you have done in the African-American community. You know, you have taught us, you know, not to fear, not to be afraid. You taught us to go beyond ourselves, to to make noise, to step beyond, step, step beyond the pavement that people, that the, that the people have put before us that they think that we should stay, st step in. But we have to step beyond the pavement. We have to keep going and we have to keep go pushing and going forward and staying strong. And you have taught that to us as black women, as black women, you have taught that to us to keep pushing and to never, ever stop. So another lady I would like, like to talk about, uh, she was the first African-American woman to serve as the first lady of the United States. I get, I know you know who I'm talking about, and that is Miss Michelle Obama, and she is the bomb. <laughs> you know, she continues to be a source of inspiration through her efforts to promote wealth, to promote health and wellness for kids in America. She also wrote her deeply personal memoir, Become, Becoming, and she continues to write and educate to this day. This woman is a power, powerhouse within herself. She has gone throughout the world speaking about how we, sh how we should be and how we should be well and to always and to always treat each other with respect and dignity. And we all need to treat each other within the Black community that because we should not be going and and fighting each other and stepping on each other's toes and and you know just speaking against each other like the way that we do sometimes within the black community. We all know she was married to Barack Obama and look at that. Look how beautiful that is. Look look how beautiful this this couple is and what they have achieved with one another. So, she wrote a book and it's called Become and she has an uh, has a page, a uh, page from, from a, a page from that book called a "Note to Self," and so let's take a look. An eight-year-old little girl is getting national attention for dressing up like a young version of her hero for her school's cultural heroes day. Ella Lorraine Brown perfectly matched Michelle Obama's outfit when she was a college freshman at Princeton University. That's great, inspiring young people is a big, big theme of the former First Lady's memoir. It's called Becoming. It is the best-selling book of 2018. Mrs. Obama has revealed her book tour will make 21 more stops in America and Europe in 2019. In our very popular series, Note to Self, she advises her younger self as she leaves for college. Dear Mish, there you are in your jean jacket and braids, a long way from that little apartment on the south side of Chicago, one of the finest universities in the world. You're smiling, and you should be. You worked hard for this. But even now, after you reached your goal, you're still not quite sure if you belong and can't get one question out of your mind. Am I good enough? There aren't any kids here who look like you, some arrived on campus in limousines, 
one of your classmates is a bona fide movie star. Another is rumored to be a real-life princess. Meanwhile, you got dropped off by your father in the family sedan. Years from now, you'll learn that your parents had to take out new credit cards to pay your tuition. Michelle, what you'll come to realize one day is that you're only seeing what you lack and not everything that your story has given you. You grew up surrounded by soul and jazz and a deep anchoring love. Your parents taught you to keep your word and treat people with respect. They encouraged you to develop your own voice and use it. Those lessons are more valuable than anything material. They'll be handy in the future in settings I won't spoil for you right now. Your father's final lesson will come far too soon. He'll teach you that life is fleeting. So laugh with him until your side hurts. Savor the grip of his hugs, the softness in his eyes. A day will come when those memories are all you'll have. His absence will hit you like a rock. It'll cause you to rethink everything about yourself and your future. But don't worry, you won't have to go through any of this alone. You'll open your heart to someone whose upbringing was nothing and everything like yours all at the same time. He's driven by a hopeful set of ideals. He's grounded and kind and absolutely brilliant. And he's pretty good looking, too. I thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> his certainty about his path will feel like a challenge to yours. You'll learn that even the best relationships take work. But that's okay. That's normal. And it's what gives your partnership its strength. Together, you'll be blessed with two perfect little girls who will fill you with so much joy you can barely process it. Yet, you'll still struggle to find a balance between your family, your husband's rising career, and your own sense of self. Be patient, you'll get there. And just when you think you've done it, the four of you will be shot out of a cannon into the unknown. I stand before you today to announce my candidacy for president of the United States of America. Everything you fought for so hard, stability, balance, confidence, will feel like it's at risk. You'll be attacked by people who've never met you and don't really care to. They'll try to harm you for their own gain. Don't stoop to their level, no matter how gratifying it might feel in the moment. 
tight to those values your parents do. You treat people with dignity and respect, even if you don't know them, and even if you don't agree with them. Your family will make history. Breaking barriers and filling out a more complete picture of the American story. At this defining moment, change has come to America. With a lot of hard work and a good education, anything is possible. You'll meet two popes and the Queen of England. You took on a role you didn't ask for, and you made it your own with grace and with grit and with style and good humor. People will fill stadiums to hear you speak. She is your hometown girl from the south side of Chicago. Welcome, Michelle Obama! It will be easy to think you're something special. Just remember that there are millions of people who grew up like you did and don't get this kind of spotlight. Reflect the light back on them. Use your voice to speak out for what's right, to build a better future for the next generation, to encourage those who are too often silenced or shoved aside. There are so many people out there like you, Mish. Black girls and minorities of all kinds, working-class kids from big cities and small towns, people who doubt themselves, who are uncertain about whether they belong, but have so much to offer the world. Share your story with them, the struggles and the triumphs and everything else. Show them that there's more beauty inside than they can see right now. That's how you'll answer that question that's following you around, the one that sometimes keeps you up at night. You're more than enough, Mish. You always have been, and you always will be. And I can't wait for you to see that. Gosh, because... Wow, you are more than enough. And, you know, when she's saying that, I believe a lot of us as African-American women, we do not believe that we are more than enough. We do not believe that. And let's let let's listen to those words that she said, that we are more. We are more than what we think that we are. God created us in his own image. And I truly, truly believe that he made each and every single one of us beautiful and unique and we truly need to believe that within ourselves i thank you michelle obama for everything you have done in the african-american community and, you, and i pray that you continue on pushing forward as you inspired us to as african-american women so right now i am going to talk about someone who's you know not a exactly she's not exactly famous uh maybe one day even though she's she doesn't crave for fame she just craves for inspiring others to be better than than themselves and this girl's name is erin holloway you know erin holloway she was born in 1986 and she was not afraid to stand out in the crowd 
you know, between the ages of eight and 10, she sung in the choir where she began to write some songs of her own. And by the time she went to high school, she began writing poetry, which set the stage of finding her purpose when she was in finding her purpose. And one thing that you should know about this woman is that she never had confidence within herself. I mean, at one point when she was a little girl, she did, but she lost it somehow. She lost that confidence. She did not speak herself for about a year. She became quiet because everyone tried to silence her. Everyone made her believe that she had nothing to give. Like her voice did not matter. And as she got older, she became more confident within herself. She began to stand much more taller. And you know, at the time, she didn't believe she had a purpose. All she thought was that she was just supposed to live and then she dies. She never thought she had a purpose. She always often thought, why in the world, Lord, why did you put me here on this earth? Why in the world would you create me if I have nothing to give anyone? But you know, when years went by, she began to realize that that wasn't the case, that God gave her a gift and she, and she believes she has more gifts. She just has to go out and pursue them and learn them. And, you know, by the time she was in her mid twenties, she felt like she was in a dry season and didn't know what to do with her life. She felt unused and she felt that, that no one could relate to her. She felt like that everyone was always trying to talk, to talk her down. And she didn't want to be like that anymore. She knew that she had a voice. She knew she had a voice for those who didn't, who couldn't have a voice for themselves. And in 2019, you know what she decided to do? She not only published her poetry for some people to see, she all she also started her own po her own podcast in which she hoped that she would inspire the world. You know, she hopes that her podcast would resonate to people. She hopes that they will inspire people to do better, to feel better, and to know that they do have a purpose, that God put them here on this earth to do something great, that they were destined for greatness. And I want to tell all my beautiful Black queens out there, I want to say you have a purpose. You have a destiny. Always 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 know and remember that. And you know in the in the late in the late 20 and late 2000s, you know, she began her interest in the fashion in industry. She saw how so many people loved it and she decided, you know, to start her own boutique. She she decided to start her own boutique and she's going to keep going with it no matter how hard it gets. You know, at times she wants to give up. She wants to give up on speaking. She she feels like she can't do it anymore. But she knows that through Christ, she knows that through Christ, that anything is possible. If you just keep pushing hard and you keep having faith that you will be able to do it. And, you know, and she realized how much she loved to embrace people and she is grateful to serve them through this boutique. And she realized that in her life, she not only recognizes the beautiful, the beauty of African-American women everywhere, but the power of an African-American woman. We have to realize our power, 
ladies we have to remember that we are beautiful black queens we come from a line of kings and queens no one can come and diminish us from anything that we do we're gonna keep pushing forward and we're going to keep going because no one is going to stop our power. No one is going to stop the fire that God has put within us to speak and to really be effective out there in our communities. So right now, I would just like to play this poem that she did about the Afro crown. My Afro crown. Coils, curls, naps, beauty beads. For most African-American women or girls' lives, we were told there is no beauty in our Afro crowns, that having straight hair was the only way to get down. As a child growing up, I was told by people in school, a relaxer in my hair would make me look more pretty. Instead of being true to myself, I sold out for popularity. Instead of loving myself and the crown God gave me, I took it and I damaged it. Instead of being natural and accepting myself, I listened to other people thinking I was going to be the best. Today, at this very moment, I accept myself. I accept the hair God has given me, and I will be true to my natural being. My Afro crown is a part of me. It makes a statement. I am different. I am unique. I will not be defined by the negative words people speak. Brave, some people say, for wearing my crown. I don't think I'm being brave. I think I'm being real, not lying to myself and being betrayed. My little African queens. Don't be ashamed of your Afro crown. Wear it with strength and honor. Don't let those who can't see real beauty get you down. Be proud of your beauty. Be proud of your heritage. Be proud to be the beautiful African queen you are. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't shine like a star. Stay real, stay true. Be your own unique person. Don't be a different character in someone else's version. Say, I am black, I am proud, I will love my Afro crown. It's the real you. Don't be afraid anymore of other people's views. Be free. That is the way I choose to be. Because when I looked at the mirror to see the real me, I said it was okay to be different and not be the same. That this beauty is unique from the previous ones that came. It feels good to let go and to say to the world, this is the real me. This is my hair. And I'm proud to rock this look. So for those who don't agree, let them all be shook and stare. The boldness of my mom and sister representing how they are strong with their crowns inspired me to forget about what the world thinks because you realize some people don't know how these African crowns run deep. Remember, black women and girls all over the world that black girls rule. We have class and sass. So don't let anyone diminish your beauty or brains because it's the natural that will always reign. And that was by Erin Holloway. And I hope you guys enjoyed that poem. And remember, be proud of your African crowns. Be proud of who you are, Black women. Don't let anyone ever diminish you or who you are. So right now, we're going to take a little break. And we will be back with more beautiful African-American queens who I would like to honor. So let listen to this listen to the vibe of this music and you know get get some coffee uh lay back or relax you know do something as we take this intermission
Hey, welcome back, everyone. And now I would like to talk about another lady. Her name is Viola Davis. Viola Davis, she is the first Black woman, African-American woman, to win an Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series. She also is an Academy Award winner and has been in countless countless films. Like she was in, you know, The Help, and she was even in a movie with Jennifer Lopez called Lila and Eve. And this woman is such a powerhouse. She is so... She is so inspirational. She has worked on uh, shows like How to Get Away with Murder. She 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 has been such a power, powerhouse throughout her whole career. She is really really awesome. And now recently, I believe she is she is in a TV show where she is playing she is playing Michelle Obama right now as we speak. So, you know, throughout her life, it is never never ever have been easy for her you know she went through a lot a lot of a lot of poverty in her life and let's just you know take a look at her words of how her her life really was let me tell you about the time and the day that i died i had a memory when i was nine years old and i remember my parents fighting in the middle of the night My older sister, Diane, told me to go in the house so people would hear me. So I ran in the house. I ran to the bathroom screaming still, just couldn't stop, and got down on my knees and closed my eyes. I put my hands together and said, God, if you exist, if you love me, you'll take me away from this life. Now I'm going to count to 10, and when I open my eyes, gone. You hear me? And I opened my eyes, and I was still there. On top of that, your father also was an alcoholic, right? Yeah. And he beat your mother, so you had to live with that abuse as well. What kind of a scar has that left in terms of dealing with that? What did you do as a child as you saw your father beating your mother? The only thing I knew how to do was to just stand there and, and be frightened, and to go to school with that trauma, to go to school hungry, to go to school smelling. How did you rise out of that anger of the injustice? Oh my God. I don't necessarily feel like I'm out of the anger. He left me right there, so when I gained vision and strength and forgiveness, I can remember what it means to be a child who was hungry. I could remember what it means to be in trauma. I could remember pop alcoholism. I could remember what it means to be a child who dreams and sees no physical manifestation of it. I could remember because I lived it. I was there. We would go to bed and hear rats killing the pigeons in the roof. I mean, loud squealing noises. We would wrap our sheets around our necks. That nets would crawl through holes in the wall and they would, you could hear them eating our toys at night and um, jumping on top of our beds. I always say that I was a bedwetter until I was 14. And I did everything to get food. I've stolen for food. I've jumped in huge garbage bins with maggots for food. And I sacrificed a childhood for food. 
and grew up in immense shame. The one thing that I learned when I was poor, and this is something that people just need out loud, okay, is that you are invisible. Nobody sees you. You know, they say that the two most important days in a person's life is the day you were born and the day you discover why you were born. I absolutely knew I wanted to be an actor because I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to dream big and make a mark somehow. What that one element that literally helped that kid who has nothing achieve ultimate success what is that one factor. And they always say one person who was a mentor. I saw Miss Cicely Tyson in the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, and I saw a physical manifestation of a dream. I saw something that I could put my feet on the floor. I got out of bed in the morning, and I had a pain that could drive me. Just drive, that's it. But at 28, I crashed and burned because emotionally I didn't get out. But as much as I didn't want to be my mother's daughter, I was very much my mother's daughter. I was still very much traumatized by the past. I very much was that little girl running from eight to nine boys who were always calling me, you black, ugly You're ugly, you're black, you're this. It still very much was internalized in me and it manifested itself through low self-esteem, through bad relationships, with not believing in myself. How did you get out of that darkness into the light into the dream two things okay number one there's a difference between having a goal and having a purpose it's a vision for a future that is living a life that is heroic the other part of it is understanding your mortality that you have a dash of time and what do you want to do how do you want to run this leg of your race everybody in this room i'm sure at some point has gone through something in their lives and you've survived it. But not only did you survive it, you took that trauma, that hurt, that revelation or whatever it was and you used it to connect, to give, to influence. I have a picture of you. Oh, my what message you have for that girl? I have a message for that girl. History is not the past. It is the present. The world is broke because we're broken. Who said that all of who you are has to be good? All of who you are is who you are. How about owning it? Owning all of it. The good and the bad. Own every heed experiences, even if they were traumatic. Own it. And then you, you seize the sword. No one and nothing can be picked. Unless it costs you something. The living life for something bigger than yourself is a hero's journey. You have only to follow the thread of the hero path. Your existence is an amalgamation of every triumph, every hard-won battle. And yet here you are, privileged, blessed, to do what?
Wow, beautiful. Viola Davis is truly a beautiful soul. After everything that she has gone through, she went to triumph. She has broken barriers that she probably thought she never could. So let's honor Viola Davis and her career and let's be let let's be grateful for her. Let let let's show her let's show her love because she is such a powerhouse. She is so awesome. And I just want to say you rock, Viola Davis. You truly, you truly do rock. And now the next lady I would like to honor is the beautiful Angela Bassett. You know, Angela Bassett has been in several in several films, but the one <laughs> the one film I truly, 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 truly believe <laughs> that she will always be known for is the movie Waiting to Exhale. When she what she did to that car, if anyone has ever seen that movie, it, it it inspired a lot of women not to take crap and really know that they are a queen and no one is ever going to treat you bad or ever diminish you. And here are her children, her beautiful two children. And I just I just really want to honor her as she has honored us so much with her body of work and the and the way and the way she in the way she is and you know she you know she won an essence award and she gave the most inspiring inspiring speech in 29 in 2019 and i i believe i believe it was the essence i, I believe it was the essence icon award and she just gave this awesome speech so let's look y'all remember this with the flick of the cigarette She inspired generations of female empowerment. When you see that gift, you know it's going down. Okay, Angela Bassett, my sister, you devour every role you play, taking no prisoners and knowing no bounds. Angela, you're the queen mother of Wakanda. And you are queen in real life. This year's recipient of the Black Girls Rock Icon Award, the incomparable Angela Bassett. You good? You look good. You look good. You look like a letter from home. <laughs> I always look forward to watching the Black Girls Rock Awards. It's such a special night of tribute and recognition of us. So it means so much for me to be here with you tonight. I'm often asked in interviews, if my portraying smart, strong women throughout my career has been on purpose, and thinking about what to say to you tonight, the word purpose and what it means has filled my spirit. We all have purpose, even if we're still striving to understand what that is. When I 
decided as a teenager that acting would be my path, whether I recognized it or not, I was walking towards my purpose. As a young actress trying to make my way, survival figured into the equation, but not so much that I was ever willing to compromise my integrity. It hasn't always been easy, and there have been tough times, days when the phone didn't ring, even after what's love got to do with it, <laughs> as well as moments of uncertainty and of doubt. But what women like my mother, Betty Jane, and my aunt Golden taught me is that there will be times when you seemingly face insurmountable obstacles, but that's when you dig deep into your soul for the courage and the fortitude to keep going and to never, to never forget that despite life's detours, you are destined for greatness. My purpose tonight is to say thank you. Thank you to my beautiful family, to my husband, Courtney, to my children, Bronwyn and Slater, for giving me the opportunity and the space to be a black girl who rocks. Amen. Thank you to BET and to Beverly Bond and to everyone who worked so hard to bring us together for this momentous annual celebration. It's imperative that we continue to support events that lift us up, that recognize our contributions, and that help us feel a connectivity, allowing us to see one another, even when we sometimes can't see ourselves. I accept this award in the names of the iconic women who have inhabited me, who have empowered me, inspired me, strengthened me, and elevated me. Thank you, Rosa Parks. Thank you, Tina Turner. Thank you, Coretta Scott King, Betty Shabazz, Katherine Jackson. Thank you, Valetta Wallace. I say their names because when you show gratitude, you're able to remember that you didn't arrive in this place on your journey by yourself. Oh, you had help. You had support. You had guidance. And it's this community that feeds our souls when we're running on empty. So when you're told you're not good enough, you tell them, not only am I good enough, I'm more than enough. When they say, send her back home, you tell them, I am home. I am the foundation of what we call home. When they tell you that you're angry or nasty, you tell them that they're mistaken. This is me. This is me being and my Aunt Golden taught me. We call home. When they tell you that you're angry or nasty, 
You tell them that they're mistaken. This is me. This is me being resolute and standing firmly in my truth. And when they say you're not beautiful, you tell them that you are the descendant of royalty. And you are a queen. I would encourage you to take this experience with you as you go about your respective journeys, knowing that we were present for one another tonight. Freedom Fighter Sojourner Truth is one of my personal heroes, so I've chosen to close my time here with you tonight with her words. If the first woman God ever made was strong enough to turn this world upside down, these women together ought to be able to turn it right again. So sisters, sister, we have much work to do. And together we are unstoppable. Always remember that our voices, the very power that, that we hold individually and all of us collectively, it does matter. Now is not the time to be silent. Find your purpose, pursue it relentlessly, passionately, and loudly <laughs> be persistent and win. I love you. We all black girls who rock. Thank you again for honoring me tonight. If God be for you, who can be against you? That was that was awesome. There are no words. Uh, there are no words I can say about what she said because black girls we do rock, and we all need to really, really remember that that who if God is for you, then who can against you? No one, no one can be against you. She is such a powerhouse, Angela Bassett. She was the first African American woman to win the Golden Globe Award for Best Actress in a Motion Picture Musical Comedy. And her career speaks volumes. She continues to work today and to inspire and to inspire millions of Black girls through Black women throughout the whole globe. So let's just say thank you to Angela Bassett for all your hard work and your dedication and your love and, and everything that is about you. We thank you and we love you. So another lady I would like to honor right now, uh, her name is Shonda Rhimes. Now, Shonda Rhimes, whoo, she is so, so, so successful. Like she has had 
countless uh countless shows these shows is these shows right here scandal uh how to get away with murder gray's anatomy for the people station 19 that's just just that's just to name a few this woman is a powerhouse within her within herself and here she is with her adoptive with her adoptive daughter right here and she is glowing she is beautiful and i just want to honor her today she is she is really really changing the game in television um i remember gray's gray's anatomy and i watched gray's anatomy i was a very 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 big fan it's it's it was a well-written great show and she as she writes also the cast everyone she 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 just has this beautiful presence about her like she never ever ever stops so let's just play let's just play 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 this video in her own words mostly i just wanted to write people i wanted to watch i remember being very surprised to discover that people thought that Meredith Grey and Christina Yang were revolutionary because I felt like they were just women I knew. Every time someone says, like, how do you write such smart, strong women? I find it appalling because it suggests that there are stupid, weak women, and that's who is generally out there. This is... Humiliating on so many levels. Probably the biggest moment for us, the, the pilot had been shot. Betsy Beers, who's my producing partner, and I were brought into a room. I like to say it was the old white men room. And somebody in that room said, nobody's going to want to watch these women. They're not nice. And nobody's going to like a woman who sleeps with a man the night before her first day of work. And Betsy Beers, to her wonderful credit, said, I slept with a guy the night before my first day of work. I mean, nobody wanted to say anything and they couldn't get out of that room fast enough. I hear a lot that what's great about the characters is that they're unapologetic. They don't want children and they're unapologetic about that. They love their jobs and they're unapologetic about that. And I think that women have been raised to believe that they're supposed to want certain things. And so you feel like you're supposed to apologize when you don't want those things. I don't think I ever go to work and feel like this is great that I'm missing, you know, my daughter's science fair or I go to my daughter's back to school night and think it's great that I'm missing the scene that they're filming at work. There's a trade-off. Every time the trade-off. There's a sense of failure on either side. And I've accepted that. But I can't imagine my life without my work. And I want my children to know me somebody who works because that woman is way happier. And now my kids, they come to work, they play there. They know who I am and they know that they expect themselves to be somebody like that. I think I'm extraordinarily lucky because I was really raised by a very, very powerful mother. My mother would never have allowed me to just be the nice girl. I really did enter college and enter life walking into a room absolutely thinking I belonged in any room I entered. Men will do anything. You can ask a man to do a job that he's never been qualified to do, and he will raise his hand and say, absolutely, I will do that job. Women always say, I'm not sure if I'm ready yet, I need more experience, da da da. I don't necessarily know that there's anything wrong with being more cautious and careful, but we should also know that we're not going to feel any wiser or any more ready in 10 years than we did 10 years ago. As well, just leap. 
while she's so inspiring and she is so down to earth, she is so successful. And we just want to honor Shonda, Shonda Rhimes for all the work that she has done. She has changed the game for so many women in the, in the television industry alone. I mean, she has written so, so many shows. I mean, Let's see. She is the first African-American woman to create an executive, an executive produce a top 10 network series. Like she became in 2017, the third black African-American woman in history to join the TV Hall of Fame. That is awesome. That is awesome. I know that there are a lot of girls who think that they can't do anything. They think they can't succeed because the door is always shut on them. But I want to tell you right now, you can succeed. You can go out there and do and do whatever you want to do. Don't just dream. Do. And I have to say, she's very inspiring, Shonda Rhimes. And I want I want us to listen to, to what she says about dreamers. You did a year of saying yes to things that previously scared you. Like I things did. like what? Like a clown appearing at your door, splattered in <laughs> blood, saying, Can I come in and sharpen my cleaver? Like what was <laughs> what were the things that scared you that you said yes to? I was really afraid of doing things like coming on a talk show. Usually this would have caused me to have a huge panic attack and I would have been like in tears and wouldn't have been able to come out here. I might have fainted on your floor. Oh um, wow, it'd be good TV. It would have been really good TV. If you want to, just go right ahead. <laughs> just yeah. Throw myself down. Yeah, please. Public speaking of any kind. You, you gave the. You went to Dartmouth and you gave the commencement speech. I did. There, right? I did. That was my first big um, yes. My second big yes of saying doing things that I was scared of. Yeah. And you gave a. I like. I like the 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 theme of it, which was if I'm if I get this right, don't follow your dreams was the theme of your speech. Absolutely. I. On a certain level, believe with you. What did you mean about don't follow your dreams? I meant that people who are dreamers don't ever do the things that they want to do. They spend time dreaming instead of actually just doing. And the people who do are people who actually get somewhere. Right, right. You know, um, uh, Chuck Close, uh, the painter, he said, um, inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us show up and work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same and if thing. everybody followed their dreams, you know, of who they wanted to be when they were children, the world would just be packed with princesses and cowboys. Absolutely. <laughs> Did you have a dream? What was your dream when you were younger? I wanted to be Toni Morrison. I mean, I really That's wanted to be a novelist dream. like That's Toni Morrison. That's a good dream, though. Yeah. Yeah? Why but not? Why didn't you do it? Toni Morrison already has the job. <laughs> was there anything in this year of yes that you said, yeah, no? Uh, <laughs> yeah, my yes is a big no to that. Because one thing you did is you said yes to health. You lost 117 pounds. I did. I did. I did. That was one. Yeah. That is, saying, that is saying no to a lot of things, lose 117 pounds. It was. It was saying no to a lot of things. But it was also saying yes to wanting to hang around for a lot longer. You had a friend who said you never, you never do anything fun. Yeah. What did, you, what did she, you would run three TV shows? That's fun. What did she mean by you never do anything fun? My oldest sister Dolores said you never say yes to anything, and she meant that I, all I did was go to work and come home, and go to work and come home. I never, you know, you think that people who work in Hollywood have these fancy Hollywood lives. Mm -hmm. um, I have kids, and I was just working and coming home. I was a workaholic. Yeah. That was it. What was your idea of fun? Um, laying on the sofa and watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> sounds pretty good, actually. It was pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned your older sister. You're the baby of a big family, right? Youngest of six. Yeah, I'm, I'm the youngest of 11. I <laughs> know that feeling. Isn't it great being the baby? I love it. 
Yeah. They think I'm helpless. It's fantastic. <laughs> you get away with a lot. I get away with a lot. I let my sisters take care of me whenever I'm around them. Absolutely. I love acting helpless. You sit down. <laughs> Family holidays are amazing because I just stand there and look confused and they do everything else. Do they still treat you as a child? They think I'm an idiot. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, thank God you're not. And thank God you're not. <laughs> she is so awesome. So thank you, Shonda Rhimes, for changing the game for many African-American women out there. Thank you for your work and thank you for your effort and always being transparent and always being beautiful. We honor you on this show and we thank you. So the next lady I would like to honor, her name is Lupita Nyong'o. Now, Lupita Nyong'o, she is the first African-American woman who appeared in a Star Wars film. She won an Academy Award for her film debut in The Twelve Years of Slavery. This is a beautiful young lady. She, appe she appeared in the, in the movie Black Panther with Chadwick Bosman with Chadwick uh, Bowsman. She, al she also is, is a model. She's beautiful. She's, she's beautiful. And there, there's just so much about this young lady that is dynamic, that is, tra that's, that's, uh, that's transparent, that's beautiful, that's authentic, you know, and, you know, she is in it to, she has really changed the game uh, of how people look at beautiful dark-skinned women she is so gorgeous is so magnificent and i just love when she did her speech and i also i also believe this was the was the essence uh the essence awards uh black beauty S uh, essence awards and her speech it is so beautiful and so and so awesome. And these women that I've mentioned here today, there are so many beautiful black women that have changed the game, that have made history. It's just hard to put them all in one show. And I just want us to listen to this speech because it this is a beautiful and awesome speech. I received a letter from a girl and I'd like to share just a small part of it with you. Dear Lupita, it reads, I think you, you're really lucky to be this black, but yet this successful in Hollywood overnight. I was just about to buy Densha's whitenicious cream to lighten my skin when you appeared on the world map and saved me. My heart bled a little when I read those words. I could never have guessed that my first job out of school would be so powerful in and of itself and that it would propel me to be such an image of hope in the same way that the women of the color purple were to me. I remember a time when I too felt unbeautiful. I put on the and only saw pale skin. I got teased and taunted about my night-shaded skin and my prayer to God the miracle worker, was that I was light-skinned. The morning come and I would be so excited about seeing my new skin that I would refuse to look down at myself until I was in front of a mirror because I wanted to see my fair face first. And every day I experienced the same disappointment of being just as dark as I had been the day before. I tried to negotiate with God. I told him I would stop stealing sugar cubes at night if he gave me what I wanted. I would listen to my mother's every word, sitting right there, and never lose my school sweater again if he just made me a little lighter. 
But I guess God was unimpressed with my bargaining chips because he never listened. <laughs> and when I was a teenager, my self-hate grew worse. As you can imagine, happens with adolescence. My mother reminded me often that she thought I was beautiful. But that was no consolation. She's my mother. Of course she's supposed to think I'm beautiful. And then Alec Weck came on the international scene. <laughs> A celebrated model. She was dark as night. She was on all the runways and in every and everyone was talking about how beautiful she was. Even Oprah called her beautiful. And that made it a fact. <laughs> I couldn't believe that people were embracing a woman who looked so much like me as beautiful. My complexion had always been an obstacle to overcome, and all of a sudden Oprah was telling me it wasn't. It was perplexing, and I wanted to reject it because I had begun to enjoy seduction of inadequacy. But a flower couldn't help but bloom inside me. When I saw a lack, I inadvertently saw a reflection of myself that I could not deny. Now, I had a spring in my step because I felt more seen, more appreciated by the faraway gatekeepers of tea. But around me, the preference for light skin prevailed. To the beholders that I thought mattered, I was still unbeautiful. And my mother again would say to me, you can't eat beauty, it doesn't feed you. And these words played and bothered me, I didn't understand them until finally I realized that beauty was not a thing that I could acquire or, or consume. It was something that I just had to be. And what my mother meant when she said, you can't eat beauty, was that you can't rely on how you look to sustain you. What actually sustains us, what is fundamentally beautiful, is compassion for yourself and for those around you. That kind of beauty, excuse me, that kind of beauty inflames the heart and enchants the soul. It is what got Patsy in so much trouble with her master, but it is also what has kept her story alive to this day. We rem remember the beauty of her spirit even after the beauty of her body has faded away. And so, I hope that my presence on your screens and magazines may lead you, young girl, on a similar journey. That you will feel the validation of your externality, but also get to the deeper business of being beautiful inside. That, there is no shade in that beauty. Thank you. Beautiful, and we want to thank you, Lupita Nyong'o, for honoring us with your beauty. We want to thank you for the the movies and for the speeches that you have that you have given us all. And as you continue on your journey as a beautiful Black queen, you are just always keep going and always keep striving for what. For, for who you are and the beautiful blossom that you continuously become every single day. Continue to strive in that, continue to walk in that. You are beautiful, you are special. Just keep going and never ever stop. We honor you. Thank you, Lapita. And now I would like to honor the last woman uh, for this show. 
And this is Miss Lauren Hill. Yes, she became in 1999 the first African-American woman to win five or more rewards in a single night. The the miseducation of Lauren Hill. And it became the first hip hop record to win in, in the album of the year. Miss Lauren Hill has such has such deepness she has such depth she writes poetry she sings she 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 does it all and you know even though we have not seen her in years we have not heard about we haven't heard anything about her in years she's she still continues to inspire women and to inspire us to be better within ourselves and just to keep going you know this woman this woman is so special. She is so special. She is so unique. You know, you really, you really don't, you really don't know who she is until you hear one of her poems and, and the way that she speaks. So, you know, she drops gems all the time. So let, let, let's hear the gems drop right now. Let's watch how she inspires others. But life is, is, is continued work. It's, it's constant learning. I don't even, the whole concept of retirement, I don't even buy into. You know, we should constantly be working, maybe not physically working, but we could be spiritually, emotionally working toward bettering ourselves and bettering the lives of others around us. So, I'm, you know, I, I, I get really afraid of those little comfort, you know, those, those things that make us feel like, you know, we did something great. Because I've done nothing. You know, I just, I don't believe in, in, in getting comfortable just because everyone says you've arrived. You know, that's not what it's all about. Once you, you, you compromise yourself in one way, you compromise yourself in another way. And you've just opened the door to, <laughs> you know, compromise, mediocrity, settling. I don't mean, when I say mediocrity, I don't mean, uh, um, I mean that we should constantly be aspiring, you know, to reach higher and higher and higher. We should never be comfortable where we are. You know, we should always yes. be aspiring to, to know more and to better ourselves and to improve ourselves, you know, to improve ourselves. Because that's how we improve the world around us, by working within us. The music industry is just a microcosm of the world. So whenever you stand for something and you stand for goodness and truth, you will always get resistance, that's period whether you're in pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry, the record industry, or whatever. Whenever you stand for truth and for the service, you know, the service of others. See, I, I could make money very easily. I could make records that are self-indulgent and, you know, basically self-promote me. I could do that. I could do that. Promote myself. That was redundant, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, just do those things. It's very easy. As a matter of fact, you know, lyrically, as an MC, that stuff comes easy. But in order to promote something higher, I mean, I feel now at the ripe old age of 25 that the only thing that I could do is, is serve others. It, 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 who saw the, the, the movie The Matrix? Okay, okay, good. Then we, we, can, we can start from a point of reference. Matrix was a banging movie to me. And the reason why I appreciated it so much was because Remember at the end when Neo like realized his potential, he started to see the binary code. You remember that the whole world. Well, I'm that's where I'm trying to be spiritually. I'm trying to see the word of God in the whole world. So every time that agent throws a punch, I'm like, I see you. 
Oh, okay. You know, I'm just catching his punches. You know, so I don't, I'm not afraid. You know, I'm not afraid because I'm going to see that. You know, things are just, situations materialize themselves. And, oh, he's an agent. You know, but, the, but here's the trick. Here's the trick. You, you know, here's the trick is that you have to remember that sometimes you can be an agent. You can be an agent for, to yourself. You can be an agent against someone else and not that you're being used, you know? That's the matrix. Now I'm learning that it's more important to be right than to be right. I've tried to be right. You know, this is right. This is an injustice. This is a travesty. I'm right. But I've been very unrighteous and still right. Oh my God, you know, because you, you can attack someone completely right, but it doesn't resolve anything. You know, it, it, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't solve your problem. So I understand now that the battlefield and that the war is so much greater than what we see before us. That, you know, the Matrix was battling the enemy out there, picking them out. I'm going to find those enemies. I'm going to get that enemy until I realized that until you conquer the enemy in yourself, you can't deal with anyone. In order to be used by God, you have to really be used. You know, we always want to be used for the glorious jobs. Let God put me on the stage in front of the people in the Grammy show with a nice dress on. Let me just praise your name. But that's not being used. Sometimes in order to be used, you also have to be humiliated. You have to be humiliated sometimes. You have to be kicked and beaten. And in that situation, the person who's kicking and beating, he's feeling more pain than you are. You know, love is, is an incredible thing. And we don't know love like we should. We always talk about, I have unconditional love. Unconditional love is, we don't even know it, because if a person stops stimulating us, we stop loving them. You're not interesting to talk to anymore, goodbye. But that real love, that love that sometimes is difficult, <laughs> difficult to have, that's that love. And that's a confidence builder. Wow. Those are some major nuggets. She is so inspiring. And, you know, in order to be used by God, you have to be willing. You have to be willing to be used by him. It can't just be like, oh, I want to do these certain things. No, you have to be willing to be used, to be used by him fully, completely, wholeheartedly to be used by him. And that's what, and that's what I got from her. She is so inspirational. She is so awesome. And you know what else is awesome about her? Her poems, her poems are so beautiful. So awesome. Like you, you just, you just don't know. And the one poem that I love that she did was called motives and thoughts. Take a look. Motives and thoughts. Rotating bodies, confusion of sound. Negative imagery holding us down. Social delusion, clearly constructed. Human condition, morals corrupted. Trend reaction, lawlessness war. Dissatisfaction from bowels to core. Devil's technology, strategy for. Human mythologies, urban folklore. Sick of psychology, counterfeit cure. Wicked theology robbing the poor. Scheme demonology mislead the pure, strategically studying war. Light shone in darkness, 
image exposed. Few can see through the new emperor's clothes. Lustful, this hustle turns humans to hoes. When the blind lead the blind, just more trouble and woes. It's the mind that they chose, it's designed to stay closed. Standards of jokers, court just the logic. Cyclic and cosmic from schoolyard to college. Primitive man in the civilized knowledge. System collapsing, they still won't acknowledge. God is the savior, studies behavior, trying to fix the mixed mind that he gave you. Stiff-necked scholars on prescription meds, wishing their problems was all in their heads. Moral dilemma, pride at the root, misguided from youth, heart divided from truth. Egyptians and Grecians, spiritually dead, empirically led by the good gods in their heads. Motives and thoughts, industrial wealth, global economy in it for self. Heart full of madness, hovered with kind, pleasure designed to take over your mind. Furnished in godliness, painted in good, this tainted priesthood's got real saints misunderstood. While classes and government Whew. set up the veil and cultivate minds for more mythical tales. Typical Hollywood, Follies, good girl, while vice and corruption take over the world. Motives and thoughts. Check your motives and thoughts. Blind with the wickedness, deep in your heart. Modern day wickedness is all you've been taught. Lie to your neighbors so you get ahead. Modern day trickery is all you've been fed. Motives and thoughts. Check your motives and thoughts. Thank you. Well, no. Thank you, Lauren, all that you have given to the African-American community. Thank you for your music. Thank you for your poetry. Thank you for inspiring us to keep pushing forward and to really deeply think and to really seek God, seek God in, in, in everything that we do. So this is the end of our show. So I wanted to say a couple of more things. As Black women, we are strong. We we are go-getters. We are motivators. We are, we inspire, we inspire other girls to keep going and to keep flowing. And for anyone who listens to this, for any African-American girl or for any minority, it, it, it doesn't matter what color you are. I pray that you will keep pushing forward, that you will keep going, that no matter how much the door shuts in your face, that you will keep striving and you will keep thriving. You know, it says in the Bible with God, all things are possible. With man, things are impossible, but with God, everything is possible. We have to remember that, that through that through God, we can achieve the, the, the highest things that we want to achieve. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It, does, it doesn't matter how you have your hair. If it's meant for you, you are going to get it. And like I said, I am an African-American queen myself. And I believe that if we come together, we can achieve many things. As long as we stand apart and keep bickering at each other, as an African-American community, we cannot achieve anything. So let's go out there. Let's rock it out. Each and every single one of these women, they have been inspiring. They push boundaries. They broke the mold. They did not let a no stop them. So why are we letting a no stop us? You know, there are times when we still live in this slave mentality all the time. We have to get our minds out of that. We have to get our minds out of that slave mentality. Hold your head up high and say, I am beautifully and wonderfully made. God made me. It doesn't matter what people out there say or think. Even, even for me, I did not believe this about myself when I was younger. You know, I thought I was ugly. I have a big forehead. You know, I have, I have a short fro and, and everything else. 
And, you know, I tried to bleach my skin. Honest to God, I tried to bleach my skin, thinking if I was going to be like lighter, people would love me and like me better. But to change who you are is to lie to yourself. You need to stop lying to yourself and be satisfied with how God made you. Look at Lupita Nyong'o. She is so beautiful and she has beautiful dark skin. She is gorgeous. Look at all these beautiful black women that I've told you about today. Harriet Tubman, Maya Angelou, Shonda Rhimes, all of them, Angela Bassett, Viola Davis. These women are beautiful and they are fearfully and wonderfully made. All the women I mentioned are beautiful. So we need to start thinking that we are beautiful too, because we are beautiful. So let's go out there and show the world our beauty. Let's go out there and change things and make a difference. Let's make a difference in someone's life today. I just want to thank you guys for tuning in. I hope I made a difference today. I hope that this message got through to you. And I will come again next week with part two of Black Girls Rock. I want to say this. You have a purpose. You always have a purpose in Christ while you are here on this earth. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God did not make you for nothing. So I want to thank each and every single person for tuning in. God bless you all. And remember, walk in your beauty. Walk in your beauty and don't ever deny it. God bless you all.